0: My name is Ryan Stacey, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and InStat, the leader in video and data analysis. InStat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit InStat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at InStat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Ricard Gromborg, head coach of the Zurich Lions. A multi-time medalist on the international stage, he brings an NHL-level resume with a vast amount of experiences from AAA to the WHL and everything else in between. Known to take any challenge that is presented to him, Ricard's story is built on opportunity and growth, and I am happy to share it with you today. With that, here is our interview with Ricard Gromborg, head coach of the Zurich Lions. As hockey minds, we're always looking to grow our abilities and understanding of the game. And fantasy sports players are always looking to do the same, whether it's in football, basketball, hockey, or even MMA. And looking at MMA, the return we have all been waiting for is finally here, as one of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping into Octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight... DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You pick just six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today we're joined by Ricard Gromberg, head coach with the Zurich Lions. Ricard, thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a big opportunity to be able to talk with you. You've had a ton of experience in the game of hockey and a lot of listeners are very interested in in hearing this interview. So we'll get right into it. Uh, Maybe to start about talking about yourself a little bit, tell us where you're from and then speak to your involvement in sports throughout your youth.
1: Well, uh, uh, that's uh, that's gonna take up the hour, I think, <laughs> with, all the, with, with the, the time I've been around the game. But um, born and raised in the southern southern part of Stockholm, uh, played uh, more or less for the same uh, my hometown club, which is Huddinge, uh, from all the way from uh, beginner skating all the way up to uh, the pro team there. Or back then was kind of semi-pro. We were still working and, and still playing. Uh, uh, and after that, I uh, played college hockey. Uh, that's the, my first experience with North America. I was actually going to, to a camp in Montreal when I was invited in. And that led into a scholarship situation, or you know, which was pretty uncommon back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, to get over from, from Sweden to, to play college hockey. So, but, uh, yeah, and it, was, it was a, a pretty good uh, upbringing. And, and like I said, in, in a good environment, there's a lot of sports involved with with everything from hockey to, to soccer and uh, you know, like all kinds of different sports. So uh, it, was a, it was a good, uh, uh, good place to grow up for, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's always interesting to hear that early involvement and uh, you know, being in your situation, wanting to get involved in North American hockey, it was interesting uh, to see that you did go the, the college route and kind of get over there and have some experiences on that end. And then ironically looking at your coaching career, that would be your start as well. As you would join uh, St. Cloud State University and then Wisconsin Stout, maybe just talk about those two roles first as an assistant and then an associate coach, and what you learned, uh, you know, working at the university level early on.
1: Well, one of my best decisions I made in my life was actually going go and play the college route. Um, Got an opportunity to, obviously, uh, earn a scholarship to go to St. Cloud, which is a pretty, pretty new started the Division One program when when uh, I think it was the second year of Division One. I entered the, the, the program and had an opportunity to play three years there. I had three years of eligibility um, and uh, could combine the school and, and, and hockey, which was t- tough for me to do that in Sweden at that time. Um, so I really appreciated those three years. And after that, I decided to go back to Sweden, to sign, sign a deal in Sweden, um, had, had some opportunities uh, over North America, but I thought that was a was a better opportunity for me to go back home and, and I played for two more years. And, at that point of time, obviously, it wasn't the, it wasn't the kind of money there is right now in, in the European hockey. And I just felt that like there was something uh, I haven't finished, which was uh, I, I'm kind of a personality. If I start something, I would like mm-hmm. to finish it. And, and I had some, uh, you know, about a year and a half left of school in order to finish my bachelor degree. So I decided, uh, um, even before my last year of playing, that uh, that was going to be my last year. I went up and signed a deal up in Stockholm so I could do it in front of family and friends. And, and I played, uh, finish up my, uh, my uh, you know, career up in sweden and, and stockholm so um, at that point in time i, I uh, registered or pre-registered or i, I registered again in, in college and when i got back to to, uh, to campus i had no no uh, uh no desire at all to get into coaching uh, you know it was kind of a little bit of a relief to get out of get a hockey and start focusing on which is going to be my next career i was in school and then and move on from there but uh when I was at college, I I uh, went down to to the rink, which is pretty natural because it's it's, uh, it's pretty centrally located on campus, and, and went down and talked to some of the guys. They're now seniors were freshmen. My, my senior year, so there's a few guys that I knew, and and start talking to the coaches. and And at that point in time, they they more or less right on the spot offer me a, a grad assistant job with uh, with Saint Cloud State, uh, and uh, actually I was very hesitant of, of taking on that. Uh, uh, that challenge because I was so focused on going to school but uh, we, we found a pretty good uh, balanced schedule and at that point of time I uh, you know accepted a position and it was uh, again it was a pretty good uh, decision of mine and I'm still, still in hockey since then.
0: Yeah you know it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear that um, you know how you kind of get into coaching and sometimes it's by luck and sometimes it's the right person kind of pushing you forward and for you there you were focused on school but still that opportunity came about and you kind of jumped into it uh, just to see what it's like. And obviously, I, I think you can agree that has uh, worked out for you pretty well here as we've uh, kind of gone through your resume and get ready for this interview. So the next move I want to talk about is working in the AWHL as both a head coach and general manager with the Great Falls Americans. Talk about how you kind of moved into that role after being at the college level and um, the experience of working in a kind of a hybrid role with the team.
1: Yeah, no. At St. Cloud, it, uh, it, was, it, was, it was good for me to get back there. was familiar with familiar faces, everything else. And, and it was more of a, you know, observing and, and, and understand a little bit of the coaching uh, aspect of, of things. Because as a player, you're so focused on yourself. You're focused on, you know, your performance more than anything else versus as a coach, you have to have an overall uh, perspective of things. and. Uh, so it was really uh, really good for me to get the that year in, in St. Cloud but uh, at, uh, at the end of uh, when I started finishing my school that I actually got an offer to to go to UW Stout which was the step before I went to uh, become a head coach. Uh, UW Stout is right on the board of Minnesota uh, it's a satellite school for the UW uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison and and uh, you know to go to grad, grad program there. Uh, I got accepted into the grad program and at the same time they offered me a position to to coach uh, not only men's hockey but also women's uh, soccer as a assistant coach. So uh, I uh, really, uh, I really enjoyed those two years I, I spent there. It was a newly program, new program as well, as a startup program, a Division NCAA Division Three program. Uh, so it was a, it was a great, fun ride as well, with uh, combining school and, and graduated with a master's degree. And and it was a little bit of a, a, it was a coincidence that actually I, I got the job in Montana. I was I was so focused on interviewing for different positions down in Twin Cities, in Minnesota, of getting a, you know, quote unquote, a normal job and, and a management position because my my master's degree program was in management. And, and Interviewing for different positions down there, and suddenly I had a little bit of a hockey bug in me, and I, I actually asked a couple of people if they can make a couple of phone calls and see if there's anything open in, in the juniors or college or or anything around that that area, but. There was nothing opening and then when i was about to uh, ex- accept a couple of positions i uh I was called by this guy in, in, in great falls montana uh they they thought we were gonna have to to uh, um uh, defunct the team and, and and obviously uh you know shut the shut the operation down but at the last minute someone came in with some money and helped the organization get going so he said if you want to start something from scratch here you go this is a uh, you know from scratch we have a few players that were here last year but other than that it's, it's a brand new random situation and, and I, I said okay well I'll drive those 15 hours out there to Montana and check it out and see if there's something I, I uh, want to do because it, again I, I don't just do stuff I want to do a really 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 good job and, and it was intriguing enough I, I sat down with the, the GM there his, his name is Reed Peterson it's a, it's a Canadian guy from Regina who was the GM and he's been there for, for a couple of years and he's, he's done a great job of keeping the keeping the foot up and and they needed to make another um, another step in, in the progression of things. So we started off from scratch, and uh, we built that program up from uh, from uh, the first year. I, I had uh, some hardworking kids, really, really good kids to work with, to, to uh, you know, go to Division III. A lot of them went to Division III, NCAA, in, in the U.S. And uh, you know, my last year there, I was there for three years. We, we uh, won some championships. Uh, we went to the Nationals. Back then, it was only one. One, uh, one tier and it was a junior race. It was before uh, USHL went up to tier one. So we went to the nationals and played against USHL and North American League. Uh, uh, and we had a great year. We, I, I believe it's uh, more than half the team went division one. We had three guys actually uh, played in NHL out of that team. So we built a pretty good program. And, and uh, at the same time, it took a lot of energy out of me because I, at that point in time, I did everything. We didn't have an equipment manager. We, at the end, we didn't have a GM either. So I was a head coach GM to better, better things up in Regina with the Pats, and so it was. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be done, and, and the personnel wasn't really there, and so it was. Uh, there was a lot of work, but at the same time, if you're going to start something uh, as a head coach, why not uh, knowing all the, the different positions that needs to be, be supporting staff as well, and you, you appreciate what they're doing as well. So it, it really humbling and a uh, fun experience, I would say. So, uh, but there, it, it, it's, we had some success, and the biggest thing for me is to see those guys being successful in life. and... Uh, not only at hockey and, and, uh, and uh, have dear memories from, uh, from my great fall's time.
0: Yeah, it, it really does sound like a, a positive experience. And like you said, being able to take on those multiple roles with a smaller program, you can really appreciate um, different things at hockey operations, and it can make you more versatile when you're looking to move into future roles. And for you, that would be the WHL, as you spent a season with the Spokane Chiefs as an assistant coach. Uh, explain how that opportunity came about and then discuss the CHL role, and how it's helped you work with, you know, young elite players moving forward.
1: Yeah, after uh, after I spent about four four years in the U.S. As a, as a head coach, GM for for a couple of teams, I, I just felt like uh, I was always intrigued with the, with the major juniors in Canada. I mean, I, growing up in Sweden, I really didn't really know much about it. I didn't really know much about uh, the whole experience there. So I, I was really intrigued, and, and I applied for a couple of positions, and then when the job opened up as assistant coach for the you know, one of the the top tier programs there. I would say Spokane Chiefs. Um, I applied for it, interviewed, and and uh, the GM at the time, Tim Spelts, uh, is I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, as one of the play directors there. So um, he was uh, he was there, and you know, obviously interviewing, and, and uh, Al Conroy was the head coach, and they uh, they wanted something. Someone took took it a little different view, and someone had. Uh, you know, maybe with European background and, and US, co- US junior and college uh, route. So uh, I felt, uh, obviously, I felt those, uh, those uh, uh, requirements they wanted and, and maybe a little bit different perspective than, than they had before. So, uh, and that was also a really fun year. I mean, even though there was a lockout year, so there was, uh, there was a lot of great, great players in the league and and um, obviously we, uh, we had a tough record, but uh, we also... Uh, we also had a couple, quite a few guys that I was drafted that year from, from, uh, from our team. So uh, that's what we were a younger team, but it was a it was a great experience.
0: You know, the CHL is always a unique opportunity to dive into. Uh, I don't work in the WHL, I work in the OHL, but just talking with people at West and then even people in the Quebec major junior league, uh, there's so many different teams and opportunities present. And anytime you get to work with the, that caliber of young players, it's a, a positive experience and something that, People feel is very beneficial if you do eventually want to make the next step. Um, another level that a lot of people say is very beneficial to learning how to coach and things like that is AAA. And following that season in Spokane, you would dive into AAA coaching uh, there for a little while with two teams. Talk about the decision to go to AAA to coach, and then what you learned uh, from those experience in particular.
1: It was. It was also one of those accidental turn of, of the career, really. I mean, I was up in Spokane, and and uh, obviously we had a had a tough record, and even though we, we saw some progression with some younger players, we had, and there was uh you know obviously we saw in a in a few years we would be pretty, pretty competitive. They, they, they decided to let Al go. Um, they they wanted me to interview for the head coaching job. Uh, obviously it's a tough position to be in, be an assistant coach, and they, you know Al and I built it great trust and, and relationship during the year but that's part of the business as well and uh, so i was interviewed for the head coaching job i was up there as a finalist and it was between me and bill peters and, and they decided to go with bill peters and that was way late because i had some some offers uh from u.s college and juniors at that point in time that I, I declined because i thought it was such a great opportunity to to uh, maybe uh, uh you know become a head coach with uh, the with western league but unfortunately. Uh, they went a different route and obviously, uh, you know, had some quite a bit of success uh, with, with Bill as a, as a head coach there. So, um, But uh, at that point in time, it was late in season. I didn't really have any uh, other job opportunities. So, uh, you know, I, during this time, with the interview process it was kind of dragging on for the summer. And, and meanwhile, to have something to do, I was helping out with a friend of mine from, from Great Falls uh, together with some people in, in Utah. Uh, that uh, were setting up a triple A AAA program. Uh, I was helping them a little bit with the budgets and everything else because obviously that was something I was working with the, the junior A's because uh, as a GM and head coach at, at the junior A level, there I was working quite a bit of budgets and whatnot. Um, so I helped them out there and also a little bit of the coaching philosophy, what I thought uh, you needed for coaches. And I kind of offered my help during this time because I did have some time on my hands. So, uh, and uh, when things uh, didn't, didn't uh, you know, obviously, go my way up and in, in with uh, with, uh, with the Spokane Chiefs, um, they offer me a position down there, being a, being the leader uh, you know, when it comes to the head coach for a AAA program, but also being you know the guy that's expanding the, the organization, not, not not just one team, but to, to several teams at different age groups and different levels. So, uh, which I thought was pretty intriguing. I, I figured that that's a that's a great opportunity because I always enjoy the development of, of players uh, a lot. Um, Worked the different positions, so uh, that was a great challenge. We started out with one team and 25 players, and five years later, we um, you know we went up to uh, over 150 kids, and we have five full-time guys and uh, working. And and, uh, you know, obviously, I was educating the the coaches as well as the players. I was recruiting the coaches, and uh, and it was it was a really fun experience to to build it from scratch, and and it was also perfect timing for me to to take this job because at that time the Swedish Ice Hockey Association was were really pursuing me or you know, helping them out to do different uh, you know junior world championships and, and even the world championships um, as an extra resource uh, to have you know with my north american experience so uh, you know it was a pretty good 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 timing because i can really uh, plan my schedule by myself because obviously i was the boss so you know i timed uh, everything around uh, the different championships and, and start working with the Swedish SISOC and some sort those
0: yeah, and that's a very unique experience, which many people, uh, you know, are well aware of. So, let's just talk about working with Team Sweden and the different roles. I know you did some scouting, and very evidently, you did some coaching as well. Uh, maybe in a general sense, just talk about the experience of working with Sweden hockey, and uh, you know, the World Juniors, the Olympics, World Championships. Just talk about some of these experiences, and um, you know, some of the opportunities that were presented to you.
1: The, the biggest thing that they, the reason they recruited me was that with my North American experience, they wanted to be more successful at the junior level at the junior world championships. And, and they, they felt that like they weren't competing. They weren't producing as many players. They want to have an outside point of view to what they're doing. So, you know, the classic quote from Einstein, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing all over and expect a different result. So, Uh, And that's kind of where they were at with the play development and and, uh, they want to have an outside perspective. So not not only uh, was I a resource resource during the World Championships, but I was also writing for the the Federation. I was out, uh, you know, helping coaches out in the country. They, you know, I I was putting quite a bit of miles on, uh, you know, not only flying back and forth from North America to Sweden, but also driving around in Sweden and helping the and whatnot, and, and was a resource uh, period. So it was a really fun time because uh, it was kind of a, a blank paper. We started off from scratch there as well, and, and um, obviously, uh, everyone can see the result that, that, that we achieved during that time. And, there's a lot of, i worked with a lot of great people. I learned quite a bit too, because uh, at that point in time, I was, I think it was way more North American than Swedish, but uh, there's, they have some great coaches. They have some great leaders uh, over in Sweden as well. And, and have that, uh, that dynamic of, of, of people uh, working this, towards the same common goal was, uh, was really rewarding. It was really fun. And, and obviously, like I said, you know, the result was there after two.
0: Yeah. Uh, a number of medals uh, almost on every level is uh Incredible that you are able to go in and work with so many teams and uh, be an influence for, for them on multiple levels there. So uh, something that I was very interested in hearing about and, and how that experience came about and uh, definitely the connection to North American hockey uh, has helped uh, Team Sweden. And as we've seen over the last number of years uh, across the board, there have been results. For you, later on, you would decide to move back into European hockey and, and begin coaching uh, in Europe just talk about the move first to division two and kind of what you learned in that role and maybe how it was different from what you're used to in North America.
1: It wasn't, it wasn't easy for me to make the decision to move back. I, I was offered after the Olympics 2010, when I worked as a, as a scout, it was a resource helping to you know, put up the game plans so where different, different games with the coaches, um, they were, the, the association was really pushing me for to take over the under 18 as a head coach under 18 national team um, and um, at the same time get a full time job with the federation I, and you know since a little bit of my quote unquote my baby in, in, in Utah in Salt Lake the, the you know what we built up there it was a really tough decision for me to make but at the same time I really want to see how far I can push my coaching and you know, coach some of the best in, in the world at that age group. And at the same time, they offered me an assistant job with both the under 20 and as well as the national team. So it was too good of an offer for me to turn down. And, and even though it was, a, it was a tough decision to, to leave UBus because I really enjoyed my, my time in U.S. as well as uh, where I was at the, at that point. Uh, so I took that took the job as a full-time job with the Federation. Um, I still uh, you know, worked at World Championships. I still did the, my education part of it. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great move for me. It was a great, fun, fun time. And the, the division two you're talking about, it was, uh, more or less by as donating my time. It was a team that, a uh, uh, classic team, hammerby in Southern Sweden, which was actually my last team I was playing for. Uh, you know, it's a team that has a lot of Swedish championship banners and whatnot, but, uh, they, uh, they went bankrupt one year and they, uh, you know, they want to restart it and I was kind of donating my time at, night and, and helping that organization out I did it actually for, for a couple of years and it was me and the head of fed, federation at that point time I was that were both RB, um, you know guys so we, we were helping out and started out all, all over so it's just an extra fun thing to do during the year and, and donating back to you know hockey that, that you love so much
0: yeah anytime you can get in with a high level and coach uh, you know paid or not it's always a fun experience and Uh, you know for you moving to Europe was like you said a big decision but you know more opportunities come as a result and you're able to get in some high levels including your current role with the Zurich Lions maybe talk about how that opportunity eventually presented itself and then how your experience has been coaching pro hockey uh, you know in a very high level league and a successful team
1: well again I mean after being with the federation and and, and worked uh, myself up I mean I worked all, all the way from the under 18 up to the national team head coach and and I uh, worked all the world championships as I did and, and everything else for, for, for 10 plus years so I, I just felt that was a time for me to do something different I think you should only have that that kind of position for for certain certain time I don't think you should have it for, for more than I did uh, but that's just my point of view I, I think uh, uh, and I was curious I was curious to to uh, you know the little the toughest thing I think with a national team is you have the player for such a short period of time yeah you, you get to work with some of the best in the world and, and you, you're competing against the best in the world at the same time uh, you know I mean the Olympics and the World Cups and, and world Championships aside you know there's a lot of time in between that you want to work with the individual with the players as well and build a team so uh, so it's kind of long and a little bit for, for the daily uh, the daily work with the, with the players and, and one team and the same players uh, for a period of time so um, I, I did interview for for certain positions in north america i did interview some some uh, get some offers from from some teams in, in europe but, uh, it was when zurich alliance approached me i mean that's a top top tier uh, organization i would say obviously last year we organization of the year in, in europe uh, you know they have old, you know old players uh, you know from their own organization they have the you know the youth hockey the junior hockey as well as a, a farm team here they're all all about development but also all about winning you they, they put a lot of pressure on winning every year and I, somehow i want to take a job where you know they had some expectations when you get out there not just uh you know survive in the league or whatnot they, they expect to win and uh you know I, I i like to work in that environment which i did with a national team every year uh, so uh that said uh, when everything is said and done i i i, I was intrigued with with the with the situation here. I never coached Swiss hockey. They want to have a little bit of a hybrid coaching. They want to have a European and a North American background. Uh, you know, so, you know, it seemed like our, our uh, their profile and, and my resume was a, was a great fit. And, uh, you know, they had a, a tough year the year before. They were in the ninth place. They missed the playoffs. Uh, they want to make a, a new start, if you like. Um, and uh, obviously, we... Uh, you know, to to start from from uh, from that and, and building up a team that uh, actually won regular season last year it was it was a fun ride to 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 make and and uh, you know obviously I was curious about Swiss hockey. I mean I never coached down here. I uh, you know I have been down here watching Swiss hockey. I mean, we we're we we're fortunate enough to beat them in the in the World Championship finals 2018. I know it's a this is still still a, a sore subject where you bring it up down here, but at the same time I know it's a it's a proud hockey country. It's a great you know strong hockey culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fans are unbelievable obviously we're missing them tremendously right now during a pandemic here but at the same time um, you know and Zurich I mean Zurich is, is a well-established well name all over hockey world so um, all those things uh, said I, I you know I couldn't uh, again it was one of the, the best moves I've ever made and and uh, you know, I'm really enjoying my time on here.
0: yeah I think the Zurich lines speak for themselves and the caliber of the organization and anytime you can uh, are presented with that opportunity to coach with that team I I think it's one that you have to take or at least um, you know kind of dig into and see what's there but for you you've been very successful in that role and um, you know European hockey is growing I think uh, the connectivity to North America the fan bases is growing uh, across the board and this year with the pandemic as you said it's been a tough situation with no fans and things like that but we've seen a lot of North American prospects move to Europe this season and Um, You know, they're being exposed to different types of coaching, different types of styles uh, in the game, things like that. Uh, Just in your opinion, with that influx of your uh, North American players playing in Europe, uh, how do you think that will change the landscape of hockey and maybe make it more interconnected? And uh, maybe just talk about how that might affect the development of these top prospects moving forward.
1: Well, and, and, and obviously being here in Zurich, everyone's talking about Austin Matthews. You know, I mean, when he came here, his draft year, and, and you know, he wanted to play against men. Um, and obviously, it's a very fast league here. It's a skating league. It's a it's a it's a pretty open league. So uh, for him, it was a was a great move. Obviously, we see what what he's done with his career. And, uh, you know, and so it, it's it's more and more players. I think you're looking at avenue and, and maybe do something different. I think they're they're uh, you know obviously we have great. Uh, leagues over here I mean the Swedish league is great I think you know the Finnish league and the Swiss league and, and obviously KHL um, I mean they have different leagues that are very professional there's there's a lot of good players out there uh, and also you can see the, the influx of, of, of European players going in the NHL I mean it's a third of the you know I mean, we have 30 percent of the players are European in, in the National Hockey League um, and uh, so there's a, quite a bit of the influx of, of that type of players. And I think, you know, it's more of a universal game now. I mean, when I started scouting for the, for the national team from, you know, about 15 years ago, uh, you can see right away as soon as you you get into a North American practice or or, or a Eastern European practice or Finnish practice or Swedish practice or whatever, you can see that, you know, a little bit what, what they were doing. And then also seeing the game situation, it was pretty, pretty clear what the Czechs were doing or the Russians were doing and whatnot. Now it's more of a, everyone's using very similar methods uh, of coaching, very similar methods of a lot of things, uh, but at the same time you still see a little bit of a stamp of, of where they're coming from, and and I think that's a, I think that's great. I think it's great for the development of hockey. I think it makes it more intriguing and more more fun, and and another another reason I I picked the Swiss league is because you have different kind of coaching. I think uh, you know I want to talk about NHL being a copycat league, but I think you know SHL is the same way. I mean you have uh, in, in SHL which is the Swedish hockey league. Uh, a lot of the coaches, uh, you know, coaches are very similar similar, uh, similar, and, and you see the same systems and whatnot. And I think here in Swiss League, it's, uh, you, you have, uh, you know, Finnish coach coaches a different way. And, and so you do have differences in, in, in coaching. You have North American coaches, you have more of a hybrid situation like myself. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun to to watch the games actually uh, here. And I think it's a lot of fun to coach against you always need to find a, a way to win against different uh, different systems and different tactics. So that, that uh, definitely I learned quite a bit during the year here, and, and uh, you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun end of the year as well. But uh, it, it's uh, again, I mean, I think you know that was pretty universal. It's pretty you know a couple of clicks away from, from watching any league at any time, and uh, every, you know obviously players are intrigued. They always want to be a step ahead, and as well as us coaches. So of course, with with all the information that's so easily accessed right now. You know, it's, uh, I think it's more of a hybrid situation in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, for prospects going in Europe and, and vice versa, it provides a lot of opportunity for growth and new challenges. And uh, as a coach for yourself, you know, you're able to coach against different backgrounds and, and different types of systems. And it's, uh, you know, very challenging in that way, but also allowing you to grow your skill set. Um, you know, when you're able to work in such a league as you do, A lot of people say the NHL is likely the next destination, you know, as you continue to uh, climb the ladder Um, with future opportunities likely to come at the NHL level, or at least discussions, uh, just talk about the opportunity to potentially coach at the NHL level and how, uh, you know, other European coaches might look to make that jump in the near future as well.
1: Well, I think it's just a matter of time. I think, you know, when it comes to executives and in the NHL, I think, yeah, uh, they're looking quite a bit in, in europe obviously they've already been bringing quite a bit of players they, they know the hockey is strong in europe and, and uh, there's some, some really good hockey minds over here and I think uh, it's just a matter of time that someone wants to go outside the box a little bit and, and, and see okay you know why do, why not try something different and looking at their team and say okay we have this this type of a team and this is the type of coach we, we want to have so uh, again I'm being very fortunate if I coach against some some really really great Finnish coaches, Russian coaches, Czech coaches, a lot of tactics that uh, they're way different, and and now we're gonna find a, 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 you know something that works against the different different types of, uh, uh, of systems. So um, I think again, I mean, I never coached here in the Swiss League. I had my idea how well I wanted to coach, um, and uh, you know, bringing my ideas uh, every day and daily and, and build a team that way with with uh, with Swiss guys and 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 uh, you know since we can only have four imports here, you know, mostly Swiss players. So um, it, was, it was really intriguing for me. And I think, you know, you need to be, um, you need to look outside the box. You need to learn from the players as well. You need to be learning from the culture and the history from, from Switzerland. But at the same time, you need to have an idea of what you want to do. What what are you, what are you good at? And, and um, uh, so I think at the end of the day, I think there's going to be some executives over North America and find some, some really, really good hockey minds over here. It's just a matter of time when, what's going to
0: happen yeah exactly uh, there's a lot of changes going on to nhl and especially in hockey operations we're seeing uh, you know different backgrounds and things like that being brought into play so i do agree with you in that statement that you know it's only a matter of time moving into some listener questions here uh there's a few that i wanted to touch over after getting them from twitter and social media um with the swiss league having dealt with its share of COVID issues this year as have many leagues what has been the biggest challenge uh, to teams and yourself overall and how have you looked to navigate through those challenges?
1: Yeah. Usually I like to to set up a plan for for the season as a coach and, and uh, and have a progression from, from, from day one. And uh, it's tough. It's like so far we've been in the quarantine for 20 days uh, the last 40 days here. Um, So, uh, obviously we're sitting at home we couldn't uh, couldn't even go outside and practice so we got to work out it from, from, uh, from home and at the same time uh, getting out from from those quarantines we have a you know one practice and then we got to get, get, get going with, with four games in six nights uh, I mean it's, it's a really tough schedule I mean you can even sit on the, on the bus on the way to a game you don't even know if you're going to play that game or not um, you know you have someone with a fever one morning and then and, day later we have 10 guys that they're all in quarantine, you know, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough, tough situation to be in, but at the same time, I feel uh, what a great challenge. I mean, what a great challenge for me as a coach is to, to work on it in these, these circumstances and, and, and trying to make it work. And the, the good thing for, for myself and, and the players and the and as a staff is that every time we walk in the, the locker room, every time we walk it on the ice, it's it's a privilege for us. It's a, a situation we, we really cherish and cherish and and uh, we we love that to be in that situation of we can just focus on hockey uh, at that point of time and uh, you know obviously you know playing games with, without an status is, is is tough um, at least to start out with but now it's kind of a new norm it's a it's you, you go out and do your job, and we you know we have tons of fans sitting home watching the games on TV. So, you know, for us, it's, it's to put everything on the line every every day. And at the same time, we're 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 fortunate enough to do something we love to do every day and and, and make money doing it. So, uh, we're we're actually in a pretty good position and we good situation. And when when stuff like this happens, like a quarantine or, or, or games getting canceled or or you know ice rinks being shut down, it's just uh, something you need to live with and understand. And, I think yeah, I got to give the players kudos for for uh, hanging in there and, and have a positive attitude. We have tremendously fun together. Uh, we uh, somehow from the start we said we we're going to take on this journey and see where it ends up, and so far it's been, been pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's it really has been a challenging year for everybody, but. Uh, those teams that are successful and those organizations that organizations, sorry, that are successful uh, really comes down to having the right mindset and being positive uh, in amongst, uh, you know, like you said, a very difficult time. The next listener question that I want to bring up is uh, talking about coaching younger players versus more experienced players. Do you have a different approach when working with younger players versus experienced players? And then as a follow-up, is it easier to teach good habits to these younger players or is it less dependent on age and more dependent on a player's open-mindedness?
1: No, obviously it's a difference. Uh, there's no question of, of a difference. I, th- I think yeah, over, over a shorter period of time, I, th- I think you can see more of, of a progression with, with younger players. If you work on the right things and whatnot, uh, I think older players are are as curious as, as younger players. I got to be honest with you. I think yeah, yeah, the reason that some of the players are, are best in the world is because they are curious. They want to get better. They continuously looking for ways to get better. And uh, you know, at the same time, I'm not going uh, to teach Elias Pettersson how to stick candle. I'm not going to teach Victor Hedman how to skate because they already know how to do that. But somehow, you know, during the time we're together, I'm going to try to help them become a better hockey players. Uh, and at the same time, we're working with a, with a 15, 16-year-old that. Uh, is about to to get into that state of of okay am I going to be a hockey player or what, what what's my next step and uh, uh it's, it's kind of fun and intriguing as well and more more you know more of a uh, you can see a lot more of a development over a shorter period of time I think but uh, uh you have to approach it a little bit differently uh the pros are pros and and, and you know younger players are are, are you know, curious of different things and they don't really know what what they want to do yet uh when it comes to hockey but at the same time uh, um, I'm, I enjoy both both sides of it. I really enjoy going skating out on the ice, even with with my daughter when she was uh, started skating and, and you know pushing that chair to start out with, as as well as as uh, skating out with the world cup team in, in Sweden. it's it's hockey and it's you being on the ice and you, you have fun, fun doing it. And I think hopefully that enthusiasm is, is, is uh, obviously uh, getting into the way I'm I'm handling those those type of situ- situations.
0: It's one of those things that you kind of learn from experience more so than, uh, you know, just hearing it or, or seeing what other people have to say about it, but a very interesting topic and um, an interesting approach in having to do it a little bit different, but playing on that passion and, and things of that nature. Uh, another question here, when you run into a situation where you lose a key player long-term injury uh, you know, you've had those experiences in the past. What does that situation like for a coach and how do you approach uh, that hurdle? Uh, and maybe with a team who is, maybe doubting themselves with a key injury.
1: Yeah, actually we, we, we just had a key player getting hurt here, uh, broke his leg and he's, he's done for the year. Just had surgery and uh, it was a pretty devastating loss for us as a first line winger and actually a guy that's a key player for us, uh, the power play and an emotional leader in the locker room as well. So, uh with him being knocked out, obviously we uh you know we have to sit, sit together as a team and we need to to figure out how we gotta do it. And and I think the biggest thing for, for us coaches is to to bring that up with the team. You know, okay, how do we go from here? And it's like any other situation, ever any other challenge you have, uh, especially you know, challenging times there is right now, I like to do uh to sit with the team and say, Okay, what's the plan of action now? And we, we usually we get a plan of action together. Um so um the biggest thing for, for, for me is, is to put it on a table, you know, try to avoid the situation you know, more likely. I, I think you get a better, uh, uh, you know, better push for the team if, if you bring it up with them and then talk about how we're going to go from here. And, and obviously uh, with professional players, they uh, they have a pretty good idea. I, I, I learned, learn a lot from my players as well.
0: Yeah. Many coaches have talked about learning from players in that situation and uh, anytime you deal with adversity, you uh, you want to lean on those experienced players to uh, really bring up the rest of the team and, and navigate through those, uh, you know, those tough times. Uh, the last fan question I have here is uh, about Marco Rossi. You know, people are always interested about hearing these about these top prospects and, and players of that nature. Just give your opinion on Rossi and what you've seen uh, from here, you know, in the last year or so.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have him for very long. Uh, he, there was different situations uh, yeah. uh, that, that prevented him to play more than more games. He only had two games with us—one in the league and one in the cup. But uh, obviously, I you know he skated with us this summer a few times, and and uh, he was with us for with us and practice for, for close to two months. So, uh, you know, obviously, tremendously gifted talent, player that has uh, uh, has great skills. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's really. Um, He's got a great shot. He can see the ice real well. He does his defensive duties uh, really well. I mean, he's he's a pretty complete two-way player, uh, and, you know, especially for his age. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, again, I, he's a, he's an engine in a, in a uh, in a line. Uh, he's the guy that can fish the puck. he can also shoot it. And, and obviously the numbers he put up in, in you know, OHL last year is uh, is, is something out of this world. You know, for a draft you know draft age player, you know. So, uh, I, I think, yeah, uh, and it's, it's fun. It's pretty interesting. It's a story, backstory, backdrop. But I think most people know that, you know, he's an Austrian kid that actually played in his organization from the early age. Uh, his dad was driving back and forth from Austria to, to Zurich and, and uh, practice or and play with the Cirque Linus here, so we, we feel like he's, he's he's kind of part of us. And unfortunately, we didn't have him for more games than that because we went into quarantine almost immediately when he got here, and and one thing after another. And then obviously he went to Junior World Championships and now he's in, in Minnesota. But he's a, he's a definitely a headset player that can, can play in the tight can, can play in the tight areas and, and uh, has skills uh, top end skills for sure.
0: Yeah, a very elite player and. Uh, will likely be very successful at the NHL level. And it's tough to hear that he didn't get to play a lot, but, um, you know, still being able to have him in practices and, and work with him a little bit this summer and, you know, work with Sarnia Sting. I've seen him firsthand. He's a, an elite player. And like I said, I'm sure that he'll be very successful moving forward. You know, moving into a topic of learning, a lot of people like to learn from different resources. And the people at My Hockey Resource think the same way. Uh, there are a community on Discord, which have people such as video coaches, head coaches scouts uh, from all over the world that talk different topics in hockey so for anybody listening if you want to learn um, through this interaction and different resources check out my hockey resource on twitter and instagram ricard for you i know you do a lot of information sharing with things like the coaches site and different platforms Uh, what are some of your personal favorites in terms of books articles uh, platforms for learning and getting new ideas for yourself
1: uh, when it comes to books, I like to read a lot. Obviously, during the season, it's pretty intense. It's a lot of, watch, a lot of watching videos and and, and uh, you know just getting involved with the team most of most of the time. But uh, I do like to read. I, I think uh, you know I have some uh, the latest book is it's uh, the Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, uh, or, and he also has another one. It's, it's called uh, the Culture Code. Uh, that's the last one I read. So I mean, he has two really good books. Uh, the Talent Code is more talk about what is talent and, and the culture code is talking about different organizations and different cultures. How do you build a, a positive culture that's successful versus a negative one that's not successful. And, and, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting done quite a bit of research behind those books. And, and, uh, you know, this uh, sort of two, two, uh, two books. I, I really, uh, I think anyone involved with leading people here should should read.
0: Yeah. There's so many different resources out there and, and books tend to be a, uh you know, a topic that people often share their ideas in, d- in different books that they like, um, you know, articles, podcasts like this one, I hope people use as a resource, but so many different ways to learn out there and the game of hockey is becoming so diverse. And whether it's hockey specific text or, um, you know, things about culture and team building, uh, there's many different avenues to uh, to kind of dive into and learn from uh, and bring it back to the game itself. Uh, you've had a lot of different experiences as we've discussed today. And you've been able to meet a lot of different people. For you personally, who are some of the mentors who have helped you thus far in your career? And maybe talk about a few of the major lessons that they taught you in the process.
1: Uh, oh boy, uh, there's a lot of people that I've been influenced by, but obviously uh, it, people that are around me all the time, everything from players to, to other, other people and different staffs I've been working, fortunate enough to work with. And uh, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, not only lessons in hockey and how to be able to, positive environment and a good culture in hockey but also ought to be uh, as a person and i think uh, I'm, I'm a curious guy so i'm asking a lot of questions to a lot of people and and, and get their input to different things and uh, uh, i think one of the you know biggest lessons that i learned and i talked to this uh, this basketball coach in one of the colleges i was working at and he's been very successful for a long period of time and and I said, well, what's, what's the secret, you know, kind of jokingly said, what's the secret? And he said, uh, you know, f- for me as a, as a coach, the biggest thing for, for, for the, the, and when you present yourself is to just to be yourself. You don't try to be someone else, be yourself and, and uh, you know, try to be best of yourself in front of everyone else. And, and whatever you, whenever you do stuff, is is explain why you're doing stuff. You know? Just uh, expect everyone to, to know. You know, and don't be afraid of the show emotions. You know, if, if you're mad, you're mad and explain why you're mad. Or uh, So, I mean, there, there's there's uh, something that kind of stuck with me for sure.
0: Yeah, so many different lessons that you can have. And uh, that came from a basketball coach. It, it kind of just goes to show that it doesn't always have to be hockey where you're learning these lessons. And uh, sometimes these mentors could be from other sports or they could be family members and and everybody in between. So uh, great to hear that you've had mentors and were able to um, get some of these lessons uh presented to you throughout your hockey career uh, as a final question that i asked everybody on the podcast if you could go back in time maybe talk to yourself as you were uh, transitioning into coaching or maybe talking to somebody else uh, in north american or europe who is uh, looking to move into coaching as well what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in that area
1: i think the biggest thing is to, to stick with it you know don't don't doubt yourself I mean uh, self-doubt is something that's very very common and I think uh, uh, there's a lot of people will, uh, especially when a coach at a high level will tell you that you know that uh, um, so you know and, and I think the biggest thing is to stick with it show some grit uh, and uh, and also don't don't be um, you know listen to people you know don't be afraid to listen to people and be open-minded uh, I think uh, there was a lot easier as a young coach because a lot of things were black and white and uh, there's a lot of times now as as a coach you have to work in the gray areas and, and I think uh, the open openness for for myself is be uh, open myself up to uh, to understand where the people are coming from. I, I think, uh, uh, again, as a as a young young coach, there's a lot of easy, a lot easier for me to be in the black and white zone all the time. You know, either right or wrong. And, and a lot of times now it's, it's more of a gray. But uh, and definitely, I think uh, you know, stick with it, show some grit, believe in it, do the daily work. You know, all those things that. Uh, that, um, you know comes from my, my childhood and, and you know do the work every day you know that's, uh, that's something that's been passed on for me from my, my parents
0: yeah a tremendous piece of advice there and like you say if you just uh, keep working at it and and like you said when you're younger it's maybe a little bit easier just to kind of move through the ranks but as you get more experienced and, and put into bigger situations you really have to dive deep and and grind out some of the tough decisions but uh, you know, we can tell from today's conversation that you've been successful in doing that and uh, a great piece of information to pass on to future and upcoming coaches. Uh, Ricardo, I just want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to join me on the podcast and hopefully things are, are good with Zurich moving forward and you're able to get those games in as uh, you and the players would like. And I wish you all the best moving forward.
1: Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me in and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, you uh, uh... Got some some good sound bites there.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, take care. Okay, take care. Thank you. I'd like to thank Ricard for joining me to speak about his career and the various positions within it. Crossing from North America and Europe on various occasions, his passion for his craft was evident and will likely inspire other guests to pursue their own coaching goals as a result. If you would like to get in touch with Ricard to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, Barry Colt Scout and former NHL Scout Mark Seidel will join me to talk about his journey in the world of scouting. With a focus on Northern Ontario, Mark has seen a lot of games in his career and learned the ins and outs of that sector, so listen into to that interview on Sunday. Once again, thank you everyone for listening, and thank you for your support of the podcast. We hope to keep improving as we go while we continue to share the stories of those throughout hockey operations. Additionally, with the recent announcement of our Hockey Minds conference project, there's likely lots more to come, so continue to follow us as we present more information moving forward. As always, stay safe, and all the best.